The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 414 for May 11th, 2014. Tales of iPhone repairs and iPad activations, Sprint announces plans to throttle data speeds, and 2K screens on smartphones are about to become mainstream. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, the iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, first today, a couple experiences from Joey and me. First, we'll start with an update from Joey on the repair to his faulty iPhone 5's power button. So I forgot to talk about it on last week's show, but uh, on Friday, uh, Apple called me up and uh, said, you know, your iPhone's ready. So I took it in on Saturday and it was done by Friday. So it was uh, not too bad for turnaround time. So I uh, went in and it was uh, about a five minute wait and they just basically brought my phone out and they just, you know, took a quick look at the the, the loaner phone and he erased the, the settings right there. And that was it. So the transaction was exceptionally uh, quick and smooth. Um, they just, you know, swapped the SIM card and everything, just made sure that it, uh, you know, connected to the network. So that was basically it. So I, I did like the uh, the experience there. I didn't like having to go back to the store. I wish it could have just been uh, shipped to me. But eh, what can you do? I suppose if you've got a loaner phone, you should pretty much go back in person and do it. Yeah. So tell me about the power button. So obviously the your, yours was getting mushy. Uh, you've 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 got the the replacement. Everything seem as it should. Absolutely. It's uh it was done just just right. And actually, and, and the button is got much more spring force on it than I think it ever did, even from when it was new. So uh, it's definitely a different power button. They had the 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 one that it, I replaced it had collapsed basically about two weeks previous, so it didn't have any spring to it. It was just it was kind of like just pressing a hard surface, and it would still work, but it was not. Uh, it was not functioning correctly at all and it, it it definitely was failing over time i think too yeah and that's a it's a it's an interesting thing because they obviously figured it out somewhere in the manufacturing process that it wasn't going to be a, you know a button that was going to stand up long term because they switched it because it's not all devices uh, that are um, you know susceptible to the issue not all iphone 5s in fact the one that i have which is a a later 2013 model doesn't have any sort of issues like that and the power button is just fine and, and everything is good there so uh, but uh, either way it's it's still a process that if you have one of these devices that is affected you may as well get it done if you can afford to uh, have be without your phone for a couple of days whether you have a backup that you can use or like joey did and went and got a loaner phone so also because i had on friday evening when the news first came out since i didn't think i was going to make it to an apple store the very next day or even throughout the week uh i had requested the uh the the, the package uh the, the the shipper so i could just mail my phone in and be without it because i actually had one at the office i could have used for the week uh, a spare iphone so uh that arrived uh via priority overnight mail so it actually was there for first thing Monday morning uh, the, the the repair package and include the sim ejector tool which I, I don't actually have one of those and it had a you know a little uh, special mailer to mail it in and the uh, return label to send it back to Apple so uh, that uh, that method is also uh, very good so if you haven't checked your iPhone 5 uh, serial number yet on uh, Apple's website go do that yeah, and it will they will just send you a free package, like Joey said, and you can send it back in and, and you'll be good to go. So good news there on uh, Joey's repair. Now, uh, I talked a couple of weeks ago about how I took advantage of the T-Mobile iPad deal where they were selling iPads for the same price as uh, w- with 3G or excuse me, 4G connectivity in them as the Wi-Fi model. So um, I did have an interesting thing happen this week with uh, with a Verizon SIM. 
That is interesting. And my wife also took advantage of that, getting an iPad mini retina there at the T-Mobile store for 400 bucks out the door. So pretty amazing deal that they were they had there on those uh, iPads. And and her, uh, her situation with the billing that her rep was actually... Uh, uh, it, it was supposed to be activated on a on a postpaid plan, even though everything is basically prepaid, no contract. But uh, they were able to switch the plan to a prepaid on the spot. So the so what happened is she still had one day of service and got a thirty three cent bill in the mail a few days ago for that one day that it was active, which would have been a ten dollar a month plan. So a very strange situation, but it's all sorted out now. And uh, I guess thirty three cents is uh, that's okay. Yeah, but but I mean, they still they took the time to process that they spent the whatever it is, 40 some cents on the stamp to get it mailed out for you to somehow process 33 cents to them. Well, and to spend another 49 cents stamp to get the 33 cents to them and just bizarre. But the rep did actually spend quite a bit of time swapping the plans and doing all that stuff in the store. So well worth the 33 cents then, I suppose. Uh, so the um, so I actually still have my plan. So I did something similar. I went um, with the full size model and I went with 32 gigs. So five ninety nine was my price. Uh, but certainly for a device that if you buy it uh, at an Apple store or somewhere else, it's seven hundred and thirty dollars. So five ninety nine was a, was a great deal. Uh, and so I, I do still have the T-Mobile service. In fact, I still have the T-Mobile SIM in the device. Uh, notwithstanding this story that I'm about to tell. Uh, but I do have a Verizon SIM uh, that I used in my third generation iPad that has been on suspend since I took and got the, the iPad Air and I didn't have the 4G model, so I didn't have any reason to have service with Verizon. So it was on suspend. And uh, so as soon as I got this new one, I started thinking, well, maybe I'll switch back and, and consolidate the plans you know, back to all Verizon. But I want to try out T-Mobile and just see how the speeds are and you know, for one month, it's only 10 bucks. And so it's a pretty low risk gamble. Uh, and honestly, uh, on that in that regard, the service has actually been pretty decent. I do have LTE service from T-Mobile here and uh, speed test uh, show me around the 10 to 15 megabit per second range. So nothing earth shattering, but it's still pretty decent. Yeah. So in your area, Mickey, just give a quick recap on your Verizon service. And this is where it kind of becomes more of an issue where normally you know, like in my area, oh, Verizon all the way. I mean, yeah, the speed tests are kind of dropping in a lot of areas to be the, you know, the six, seven megabits, 10 megabits. Uh, I've still occasionally see a 15 here and there, but it's it's definitely gone down quite a bit from when we first got the iPhone 5 and we're doing speed tests on the Verizon LTE network. Yeah, and that is a very, very good point. So I'm up in Silicon Valley, more specifically in San Jose, but occasionally uh, we'll travel, you know, throughout uh, throughout the Bay Area and up into San Francisco and whatnot. But uh, what I've really come to expect is is fairly mediocre service. And whether that means um, my service is either plagued with, uh, you know, having, you know, the older legacy technology. So it's either 3G or even 1X in certain areas uh, inside buildings and whatnot, um, or it's just LTE service that is, um, you know, not as fast as it should be. I do miss a lot of calls. It actually is reminiscent to the old AT&T days where, um, you know, I, I was sitting in my office yesterday and got a voicemail and I was like, wow, this is just crazy that this is even still happening. Um, but it's a, it's, it's one of those things where I do spend a lot of time, uh, of course at home and in my office and, you know, in the areas in between and that's, you know, the whole 90% rule. And so my service isn't all that great in those areas. So, uh, I have started to take a look and see, okay, so maybe there is a reason for me to actually switch back to potentially AT&T, or maybe let's just check out T-Mobile and see how they go. So, um, so that's actually kind of the thought process is, is that, you know, Hey, the service isn't perfect on Verizon. So let's see if there's anyone else that's better. I have noticed, uh, through the, the, the T-Mobile service that, um, there are times when it will switch down from LTE down to 4G, so HSPA. I did actually see uh, GPRS the other day with it as well. So 
uh, but I have yet to see Edge. So there are essentially four different networks that this thing can access, and um, it, it's pretty interesting. So uh, either way, so that's kind of the thought process is why I'm checking out T-Mobile is just to see if that's going to be any better. So far, it's it's kind of a push, and I don't see any real reason to switch over. But speeds are, in fact, decent, at least good enough, where if I had to, I could make that change. So again, so I've got this, this T-Mobile iPad, right? So I, I buy it from T-Mobile. It's got a T-Mobile SIM. It is unlocked, though. That's the one thing to realize is that when you buy an iPad, they are all unlocked and they've got a ridiculous number of LTE bands within them. So you can take this device to pretty much any carrier uh, that has service with the iPad or any carrier at all that uses a SIM and put a SIM in it and you're going to get some sort of service. So um, the good news, though, here in the States is that that can translate across multiple different LTE networks. And so I didn't have a nano SIM from Verizon because, of course, I had the micro SIM from the older iPad 3. So I needed a nano SIM. So this should be a fairly easy process, you one would think. I don't have a Verizon store nearby me. All I have are authorized resellers, Best Buy Mobiles, you know, all of those types of places that sell Verizon phones but aren't actually Verizon stores. So all of these dealers wanted anywhere from $10 to $30 for a SIM card. And so I, I was just not comfortable doing that, and I just didn't feel right that I would have to pay for the SIM. Understanding their position on it because they're a dealer and they probably have to buy those from Verizon and so they're going to resell them so that people don't just come and get SIM cards all the time. But I said, you know what? I can figure this out. I'm just going to call Verizon and and see what I need to do here. So um, I called up Verizon uh, early in the week. Uh, I, I think it was Monday. And uh, I initially was talking through someone and, you know, and I said, I've got this uh, micro SIM right now. Um, I need a nano SIM for a new iPad. And they said, oh, well, your iPad should have come with one. I said, explain the situation. Look, it's a T-Mobile one. And I would like to use it on your service. I already have an account set up with you guys. Um, and I just want to reactivate that that one on there. So just need a SIM. Initially, I was told I would have to pay for the SIM. They said, no, you, you know, you if you don't buy a device through us, you still have to buy the SIM. And I said, Okay, well, what is that going to be? And she said, well, let me take a look and see what it is. And, uh, you know, went and, you know, did a little searching and came back and and said, oh, you know what, actually, we're going to be able to send one of those out to you for no charge. And I said, okay, great. And uh, she said, it'll be there in two days. I thought, okay, this is wonderful. So, so Verizon sends out this SIM card, sends it two day uh, FedEx, you know, express mail signature required. Signature required for a SIM card. So, of course, I missed the initial shipment, and um, <laughs> which would happen two days later. So, you know, whatever. Sign the door tag, leave it on the door, and get it on Thursday. So, it arrives now three days later, and I uh, took the SIM, popped it in the iPad, um, immediately shows up, and it says Verizon on the top of the screen, recognizes the SIM. Uh, go into the, um, into the settings menu, into the place where you activate the SIM, activation fails says you've got to go online or call and i and i thought to myself you know what i've done this before with with ipads i got a call it's it's easier that way so i called into customer service um the person i talked to is extremely helpful i gave her the uh the number the i am was it the imei and then also the ccid of the sim card it fails will not activate fails she tried it a couple of times couldn't get it to work so she says let me get you over to tech support get over to tech support and uh, he tries a couple of things fail 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 a couple of resets couple of syncs of the sim to the account yada 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 30 minutes later we're, we're we keep going through all this stuff and could not get this thing to activate and finally he says i think it's a bad sim card and i said well i don't know about that because it's it's actually showing up in the device i see it says verizon you know it's it the device is recognizing it it's just something that's not happening you know on on your side it's like not able to read the device or something and then it hit me i said can i go get a verizon iphone and just put this card in the iphone 
and just see what happens? And he said, yeah, sure. Let's check it out. So I went and, and uh, I was on the phone, of course, on my iPhone. I went and grabbed my wife's iPhone, popped her SIM card out, popped this one in, uh, turned uh, the phone back on. Immediately, it says activating, and within 30 seconds, the SIM card was active. I went to a website, pulled that up just fine, uh, shut the phone down, popped the SIM out, put it back in the iPad, and just boomed like it was no big deal. It activated, did a couple of speed tests, and I was getting you know my 7 or 8 megabits per second. Everything was working just fine and uh, was able to swap the sims back and forth between T-Mobile and Verizon, and no big deal, it just now works. So the moral of the story is that um, it, it's so interesting in today's world with the technology that we have and the, 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 the process that we have with these SIM cards, moving them back and forth, we still don't have a very uh, a system that allows for the carrier essentially to activate that SIM card uh, in a way that, w- that doesn't require a device. So because my iPad was uh, one that was from a different carrier, essentially with an IMEI that Verizon did not recognize, they could not force it through to activate a SIM card. They had to have a device that uh, could activate this card. And I don't know if that is specific to Verizon or if that happens with multiple carriers, but it was incredibly frustrating for a period of time there before I could get it working. I mean, I think it's got to be related to their legacy CDMA system. I I mean, I'm thinking that's got to be part of it because it it just seems too silly. And then, of course, on the flip side of the thing, when you were shipped the SIM card, it should have been activated, ready to go is really the the moral of that story, especially if you call up and say, I've got a T-Mobile iPad. I want to convert to Verizon. Send me an iP- uh, a SIM card that actually works for the iPad. Hello, just do it ahead of time. I mean, that, that seems so simple, but obviously they're dealing with situations here that aren't that common for people to switch carriers of their iPads. So, and because and, one of the thoughts that I had was that, um, and oh, that, going back to the, the initial call to Verizon, they, the reason they weren't able to send me, a, it took them a while to figure out that they could send me a card for free was because that account was on suspend. So they actually had to unsuspend it. So I had to start paying for the service before they could send me out a SIM card. So that card actually was uh, active or the, that, you know, that line was active. I didn't have any sort of card associated with it or I did, but it, that card wasn't active. So it was it was this kind of a, a big limbo situation, if you will, and, and having to get a device to activate the card. And ultimately, yes, we, we got it working and, and that was fine. But if I wouldn't have had another Verizon device, uh, not really sure what I would have done. Probably had to go into a store and had to get, I, I don't know, maybe they would eventually have figured this out. But I just figured this was a, an interesting thing. If you go to decide to do one of these things, you may run into a similar situation. Just make sure you have another Verizon device available to activate it. Well, I was just kind of under the assumption that uh, that Verizon and Sprint and the other CDMA carriers would have just had all of the um, uh, Apple IMEI numbers for all the iPads. That it was just part of their system, even though they were sold for T-Mobile or any other carrier, that they would have just they would have access to that database of all those iPads is what I would have assumed. And, well, and it's an interesting comment because how how there's nothing that differentiates this iPad from anything else other than how it came off the line and got put into a box that has a sticker on the back of it that says iPad Air, blah blah blah, T-Mobile. But there's only a sticker. It has nothing to do with the device itself. It's well, just and, and the SIM card that's inside of it. And the SIM card. Well, yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. So uh, very interesting stuff there. And uh, I th- definitely worth sharing. So wanted to do that. Let's jump into news this week. Not a lot going on, but some interesting stuff. Nonetheless, the first one, 
The state of California's Senate uh, this week on Thursday reconsidered a bill that it struck down last month requiring cellular handset makers to install kill switches in devices, passing that bill by a wide margin. The law is designed to make sure that all users can protect their personal data when a device is lost or stolen, and the bill requires devices to include the ability to restore the device if it is recovered. The CTIA has voluntarily set out a program uh, that would offer similar functionality, though not necessarily for pre-installing that kill switch, as this bill requires. The bill still has to go before California's state assembly and, of course, the governor's desk before it becomes law. Also this week, the Minnesota House passed a similar bill, which now makes it uh, makes its way up the chain for consideration before either being passed into law or shot down. You know, it's kind of odd that uh, that the states are even doing this still because of the CTI recommendation uh, that they've got coming on that basically everybody said they'd agree to it. Why are the states monkeying around doing this? It, it really does seem like it's a waste of time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really not, uh, you know, not all that concerned about this kind of thing, because I think at some point it's going to ultimately it's it's going to just be something that the manufacturers are doing anyway, just because it's the right thing to do. And and uh, it, it just makes it for a better customer experience with the device. And realistically, we're so close to that point especially with the Apple system, the Find My iPhone that's built into it, and then, uh, you know, even the Android system that's now built into the... the, the it, it's basically, we're already there with the vast majority of smartphones. Yeah, we are. And do you read that story this week? I think it was from uh, the Wall Street Journal about people that, like, vigilante justice, they're going to find their iPhones and confronting people in random stores and stuff like that. That's crazy. Well, law enforcement won't do it, so what, I mean, what are you stuck doing? I mean, it is kind of, uh, it's a catch-22 kind of thing because... Well, it's weird because you just don't want somebody to steal your stuff. But then again, what nothing will get done if you don't go after them. So it is it's horrible and you shouldn't do it. I mean, it's for your own personal safety, but it's still terrible and and annoying. So it's very, very, very strange. But it makes sense. Yeah, it's just don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. As Joey mentions, that's not that's not a smart thing. You have no idea what you're going to be confronting. You may get injured, beat up, shot something. I mean, it's someone has taken your phone. It's 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 not worth it at all. Next up, according to a report from the Financial Times late in the week, Apple is in the late stages of talks with Beats to acquire the music streaming and headphone maker for a deal worth $3.2 billion. The deal could be announced as soon as this coming week and says senior management from Beats will report directly to Apple's CEO, Tim Cook. The Beats headphone brand has been marketed by artist Dr. Dre for several years, and the company most recently launched a cross-platform streaming music service that has had some success. Bloomberg News, The Wall Street Journal, and The New York Times are all corroborating the report and a video posted by Act Tyrese Gibson with Dre appears to film and confirm that the deal is taking place, showing an inebriated hip hop star saying that he will be the first billionaire in hip hop from the West Coast. So I can't remember if it was Kevin Toffel, but I saw it on uh, GigaOM, uh, a commentary about this uh, situation and, and why it makes sense. And it, it rang really uh, true to me. It may be a little late. But I think it actually, I mean, it it sounds pretty viable. So uh, they ran through the history and saying, okay, so, you know, 10 years ago, you had the iPod. It was huge. You had those white earbuds. That was your status symbol. You had an iPod. So that was amazing. So in the past five years or, or whenever it's been, you had the beats on. That's your status symbol. It replaced Apple as that, ooh, here's that cool thing that we've got going on. And then taking it another step further Apple was also the big thing in music selling with the iTunes store, selling by by the track. That was an, 
a super innovative thing that was easy to do for people to, to, to actually buy music, put it on their iPad and listen to music. But what have we done now recently? Like you and I both, Mickey, we don't deal with MP3s or music files anymore. No, it's all streaming. iTunes radio was just launched. It's mediocre and confusing mm-hmm. at best because what is iTunes radio? That seems silly. So get into streaming to, you know, surpl- you know, to, 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 you know, follow the, the, the market into the next streaming thing. And of course there's a recent, uh, you know, beats, uh, streaming audio service. So it does make sense that Apple would maybe buy this brand to, uh, maybe continue the momentum of being kind of that high end, uh, status symbol style, uh, you know, company. So to me, that, that makes perfect sense. And of course, $3 billion is like pocket change. It's probably laying on the floor <laughs> in the executive offices. I mean, it, it just nothing to them. Yeah. And I think it, it makes a lot of sense as they tie in, obviously the hardware, as Joey mentions, um, and, and potentially, you know, getting a, a line that they can either sell, you know, separately, or maybe include something with these devices moving forward. And, you know, perhaps it's a, it's, it's more costly, um, you know, and it cuts into the margin a little bit, but, uh, it's yet another thing to keep people hooked into the ecosystem because, Ooh, my, my iPhone now comes with beats headphones. Yeah, and they also have, you know, the, the the Beats audio profile. It's kind of basically an EQ profile that bumps the bass and treble. I mean, it's that that's kind of the concept of why, you know, uh, people like them. It's it's not total rocket science, but they do have some, uh, you know, there is some technology and science into the, the hardware and into the software side of things. You know, like my HP computer has Beats audio built into it as a, as a you know, driver or audio profile. I absolutely hate the sound of it, so I turn that off. But it's uh, it's something that definitely does give... Um, you know, the, that that brand name does get some recognition. So we'll see. Maybe that'll be the next iPod Touches, some something that's branded like that, or who knows. But it it to me it uh, does it it does make some sense. Yeah, and and certainly it's if they can figure out a music streaming service that they can tie into, you know, iTunes Radio and iTunes Match, and maybe just rebrand the whole thing into something that people actually care about. They can relaunch it, and it can be uh, it can be a profit uh, profit center for them. I mean, you know, I still use Slacker, still really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I've, I've tried iTunes radio and actually have, have really stopped using it just because I'm, I'm not as comfortable with it. I don't find that it, the music is curated as, as well as something like a slacker service. So it's almost like the side project that just, it's, it's good and it's, it's fine, but it's not as good and it's not the best thing that's out there. Well, it's limited. I can't use it on my iPod touch fourth generation. Hmm. I have yeah. to load up this horrible program called iTunes to play it on my computer. I don't want that. Uh, can't grab my Android uh, tablet here and start playing it. That's on my desk. So they're already you're, it's no, it, it's already not modern and not current enough to actually be a viable, real, a real viable platform. Really, I mean, yeah, I, and iTunes and iPods were a little different because that was kind of, I mean, that was tied together. But now it's it's we're in a different era now. So it's yeah, it's time to do something that's a little more cross-platform. Yeah, and and web-based as well. Because why can't you stream it? in in the in the web browser i mean it just it totally limits it anyway uh you know a lot lot to uh, to learn there and probably something will come out this week we'll confirm it next week if it does well verizon recently notified users of changes to what it's calling its relevant mobile advertising program the enhancements mean that the company can now track customer browsing uh, on not just your mobile devices but on your laptop and desktop computers as well this is in a report according to the los angeles times they say in addition to the customer information 
information that's currently part of the program. They will soon use anonymous, unique identifiers to create uh, about you when you register on their websites. Uh, Deborah Lewis, a spokesperson for Verizon, tells The Times that when a customer registers on the company's My Verizon website to see a bill or watch TV, uh, online tracking software is then downloaded onto the customer's device. The software then allows a data collection company to gather the information about the sites that you visit after leaving the company's website. A consumer's identity is masked uh, before uh, but uh, being shared with marketers. However, Lewis says that a customer's mobile number has to be known to marketers so that they can target ads to that user. To keep your computer off limits, consumers may opt out by visiting a designated page on the site. Now, uh, certainly this is uh, some cause for concern. Uh, I did try and go and figure out how to opt out of this. And Joey, I couldn't find it uh, very, it's not very easy to find. And I was actually looking for it. And I can't do it because I'm on a business plan, so it doesn't apply to me. They they actually do have slightly different rules, but this is uh, uh, even more of an extension of that real pretty invasive Verizon tracking program we've you know talked about a few times in the past. Where I, I don't know, maybe five six years ago they they launched that and. Uh, where they're keeping track of your location, keeping track of this for marketing. So I, I wish this was uh, against the law, but uh, this is kind of the, the modern era we're in. And I haven't really heard anything about the other uh, major carriers doing a, a, a program like this. Uh, it seems to be just Verizon. Yeah, it's it's kind of kind of creepy kind of weird and uh, certainly it's it's not not real fun. It doesn't sit well. So, you know, just uh, take caution as you're going to Verizon's website. Yeah, and definitely, you know, do this if you have Verizon, uh, you know, dig into this, uh, getting these privacy settings turned on because, you know, why not really? I mean, you shouldn't be having to opt out of this. This should be an opt-in project, but uh, if you have Verizon, go do this. Again, called the Relevant Mobile Advertisement program if you're doing some searching on that next up sprint on thursday confirming that beginning in june they will be slowing down the data speeds of its top five percent of customers in congested regions the change applies to sprints post and prepaid customers and is being prefaced with text messages to customers explaining the change sprint says that throttling will affect the top customers of mobile data but only when they are in congested areas sprint says that this will enable them to provide more customers with a high quality data experience during heavy use times and uh, Sprint is saying that also once the customer is no longer connected to a congested cell site or the site is no longer congested congested speeds will return to normal so um, I, let me do some paraphrasing here Mickey because I think maybe some of the wording is a little off here let's uh, let's see here okay congestion re okay so Sprint here all customers because the whole network is congested will be throttled uh, all the time except for maybe at three in the morning you'll get something a little bit faster and that's it yeah it, it's it's pretty much saying that they're going to start limiting the usage here and and there are some there there were some kind of metrics that they put in place here and of course this is the first time that sprint has announced or is putting in place something public that they're saying that they're throttling their own branded customers because it's not just them it applies to the prepaid brands of boost and virgin as well and there's been throttling on that side for quite a while but it's always been after a certain hard limit uh that they've been throttled after yeah, so realistically, it's going to be basically every single customer is going to have a five gig, uh, five gigabyte limit here, and even even on top of that, they'll probably still be throttled even before five gigs because 
I think every cell site that Sprint has is congested. I mean, it's got to be close to it because their network has been struggling with, you know, they've been turning off cell sites as fast as they can, uh, as fast as they can do it with only putting, you know, a few up in its place. So I, I mean, I'm, and I know this doesn't apply to everyone in every area, but I, I can't imagine like when the last time when I was on Sprint, it was so slow and horrible that it, it's just got to be and, and everybody I know right now with Sprint uh, that they, they, it, it's horrible for them here in this market. Yeah, let me uh, let me just reiterate that Joey mentioned it's a it's five gigs and and that's that's what they're considering the top subscribers the top five percent are those that are above five gigs of data in a single billing period um, and and I'll give you some more of the marketing terms here that Sprint is using they're saying they're developing a fairness algorithm so that they can dynamically allocate available bandwidth in a way that's fair to all users and they're saying it's not due to sudden spikes but just a you know continuing increase in usage and a lot of people are, are you know using Sprint because of its unlimited nature but this is just basically the same thing as what AT&T does if you're on an unlimited plan with AT&T if you go over five gigs uh, you're then at that point uh, reduced down in your speeds uh, it used to be it's three gigs for the 4G side and it's uh, when you get into LTE it's it's then five gigs so either way uh, this is basically the same thing as what we saw with AT&T you know circa 2012. And, you know, and, and realistically, I mean, as we've talked about before, you know, most people are kind of in that two gig region, but two gig is or unlimited is not equal to five gig that no. those don't equate. So you can't say that it's really unlimited. I mean, yes, you can because the data is still going, but it's, you know, you, you get, you get, I mean, I like unlimited better, I guess throttle is still better than unlimited or being just cut off at that point, but it's still just not, it's not what they were selling the plans on. Basically uh, it's, you know, deceptive that they, you know, bait and switch. Let's change it after the fact. Yeah. And well, they're, they're still, they're still unlimited. It's just not the unlimited that you would want, but yeah, Sprint. Good luck if you're a Sprint customer, <laughs> and hopefully this does not affect you. Boost Mobile on Tuesday introducing a new service plan for feature phones and smartphones called Monthly Unlimited Select. Plans start at $40 a month, and they include unlimited voice and messaging. The $40 plan also includes 500 megs of data. The $50 plan gives you 2.5 gigs, and $60 will get you up to 5 gigs, of course, then capped after that. Uh, you know, Like we said in the previous story, this is how Boost has been doing it for quite a while. Users who exceed their data allotment uh, will be receiving 2G speeds. Keep in mind, though, that these uh, monthly unlimited select plans are not compatible with the Boost Shrinkage Payment Reduction Program, so if you're on one of those, uh, you are uh, probably best to stay with it so that your price point uh, can uh, stay a little bit lower. Those new plans are currently available. T-Mobile and Sprint are weighing several big things ahead of a potential merger, according to the Wall Street Journal. First off, Deutsche Telekom, which is the two-thirds owner of T-Mobile, is demanding a breakup fee of at least $1 billion if the merger does not get passed by U.S. regulators. DT also scored an important breakup fee with AT&T uh, when they had to break up with uh, their previous uh, under their previous agreement. And it uh, looks like all of these uh, these different agreements here um, are going to have some sort of breakup fees. So secondly, then Deutsche Telekom wants uh, the top T-Mobile executives to remain in place after any sort of regulatory review and wants the T-Mobile brand also to remain in place. That would mean that the company's CEO, John Laguerre, would head the combined company rather than Sprint's CEO, Dan Hesse. The companies have not yet agreed to the terms, but according to other sources cited by the Wall Street Journal, Sprint and T-Mobile are also waiting for several outside developments to proceed. For example, the FCC is voting uh, in a coming 
coming up meeting here on May 15th uh, for proposed changes that would add Sprint's 2.5 gigahertz spectrum holdings uh, to uh, into this here, as well as impacting whether or not Sprint and T-Mobile could move forward at all. The two companies all also have to wait and see how the next uh, spectrum auction for the 600 megahertz uh, frequency bands next year will shake out. Uh, and then also there's new administration overseeing the FCC as well that they're trying to reconcile there. T-Mobile and Sprint attempting to work around these concerns and nothing, of course, coming out from either of the carriers. And like it did last year, T-Mobile continues to partner with Major League Baseball and is again offering free access to the MLB at-bat applications for iOS and Android. T-Mobile News has confirmed that the carrier is going to be the as the official sponsor offering at-bat 2014 to its customers for free uh, for the rest of the entire regular season. Uh, there is no official word uh, from yet uh, from T-Mobile about the promotion or at least no press release on it. But if you go to MLB at bat on the iPhone or Android, you will be encouraged to redeem your free 2014 season. In device news, Huawei on Wednesday unveiling the Ascend P7 at an event in Paris, France. The P7 is a successor to the P6 and is Huawei's flagship device for 2014. The P7 has a full HD 5-inch display with Corning's Gorilla Glass 3. The hardware uh, has glass on the front and back with a metal band on the sides. The phone is thin, just 6.5 millimeters. It includes a 13-megapixel camera with a Sony sensor and makes use of backside illumination with a wide aperture of f2. According to Huawei, the P7 can be ready to shoot pictures in 1.2 seconds from the lock screen. Huawei has a feature for the camera called Voice Photos and will record a 10-second audio clip to accompany a series of pictures. The P7 also includes an 8-megapixel user-facing camera. Huawei says the user-facing camera can also shoot wide panoramas. The Ascend P7 launches in a wide number of markets later this month, though they didn't specify when it would arrive in the U.S. Also, LG's dis- LG Display on Thursday announcing its 5.5-inch quad HD display uh, is ready for the company's forthcoming flagship smartphone and says that it will be released during the first half of the year. LG has scheduled a global press event uh, in May on May 27th where it says it will unveil the G3 smartphone. The new display is an IPS LCD of 2560 by 1440 pixels offering 1.8 times the resolution of a full HD screen. LG says measurements give it a pixel density of 538 pixels per inch. That's 200 more than the Apple Retina display. According to LG Display, the new LCD panel boasts an ultra-slim design, just 1.2 millimeters thick with a 1.15 millimeter bezel. The new display will reach volume production shortly. Quad HD or 2K screens are currently found uh, on devices such as a 27-inch iMac or Thunderbolt display from Apple. So we're talking about a huge number of pixels here, soon to be in the palm of your hand. And finally today, Google updating its Google camera and wallet applications for Android this week. For camera, Google has restored the ability to take snapshots while filming video. The function had been removed during a recent redesign of the application. Google Wallet has been given a fresh new look and includes a new tool for switching between different Google accounts without resetting the app. Google camera and wallet are free downloads from the Google Play Store. So that's uh, that's so nice that they've split out uh, these applications uh, into separate downloadable, updatable apps. I mean, it's it's so handy for a lot of people. I know my friend has a uh, Nexus Five, and uh, this camera update that hit uh, a few weeks ago just completely changed his experience with it. I mean, it's 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 a whole new device now. So this is really this is really excellent for everybody that has you know Android devices to be able to update these applications uh, separately. 
Well, and I'm, I'm really excited about a lot of the applications that Google is updating on the iOS side as well. And, and it's it's interesting because, um, you know, as, as they continue to do this, I keep using them more and more. I think the Gmail app is actually fantastic and I'm using it quite a bit. I still have mail, um, you know, pull in my Gmail for when I'm doing mass triaging, but for just emails that are coming in that I'm processing, it's probably, uh, I would say at least 80% at this point now being done through the Gmail app. So that's very good. Um, you know, one of the other ones that I've started to use quite a bit recently is Hangouts. And it's not just for chatting sessions, it's also for calling. So I took my first call over a cellular connection using the Hangouts app with my Google Voice number. And it, it actually wasn't all that bad. It was in a loud situation and it, it worked out pretty well. Um, I also did one uh, in the car the other day and that worked out great as well too. So uh, that's that's really nice to hear uh, or nice to see that that's working. And best of all, they're now putting in multiple account support with these. So I've got two accounts. I've got a Gmail account and then of course the cell phone junkie account, which is a Google hosted account. And so I can log into both of those. I've got different uh, Google voice numbers for both of those for different purposes. And I use both of them and I can, I can make and receive calls with both of them in there. So the one remaining app that still needs to be updated is of course the Google voice application, uh, which is basically the only need for it at this point is just for texting. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy that it's now still at this point, what do we at now here? When was the last time this thing was updated or at least with any sort of meaningful update? It's been forever. Uh, if meaningful update, oh my gosh, it was, uh, the iPhone five screen enhancement was basically, I think the last update where they made it, you know, taller to fit the four inch screen. Yeah, but it's, 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 but they hadn't even changed it before that, uh, for years before that. I mean, there's no iPad version still there. They, they've done nothing since probably four years before. And yes, it's still the iOS six keyboard. No, they haven't done anything to it. Yeah, it's and that's what's very frustrating about it. And I would love to be able to switch back and forth between accounts. You know, why can't why does Hangouts let me do it? Why does Gmail let me do it? But the Google Voice app doesn't let me do it. Well, they want everybody on Google Plus. They don't give you uh, you know what about uh, anybody that's not using that. Yeah, but I can't use. But how do I text? I can't I can't text with multiple accounts. It's well, they want you to use Google Plus to communicate. Uh, yeah, but they, but they've they've supported this with Hangouts through the the phone, or at least add texting to Hangouts. Just figure this out, you know. Let's that would get... make too much sense. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Either way, we're 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 halfway there. I've got uh, <laughs> you know, I've got a lot of things that I like, but I still you know I'm like, well, I can't text, so I still I, the way I still have to do it is I st- I use Google Voice for uh, the app for one of my accounts. For the other account, I have the emails come through, the SMSs come through as emails. And then I reply to the emails so that I can send text that way. But unless I've got one that I can reply to, I can't initiate a text from that phone number. No, it's just silly. It really is. It's it's frustrating. It, 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 yeah, it's crazy. So anyway, uh, lots of stuff going on there. And uh, that's, you know, hopefully we'll see some updates uh, with some of these other apps, but not holding my breath. If you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Questions at the cell phone junkie.com is the email address. And uh, you can send them in there or giving us a call. Also works 206-203-3734 is the phone number. Give us a ring and we'll get any questions or comments that you have on a future episode. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.